I am Pastor Corrine Boroff, Senior Pastor at Anderson First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our worship service today. If you want to learn more about this church, visit our website at andersonfirst.org. Have a blessed day and enjoy the message. Our lesson today is from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to leave your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Donnelly is a Christian author, and one of the books that she wrote is called uh, Spiritual Fitness, Everyday Exercises. And in that book, she tells a story about her great aunt, Greta. Greta lived in Holland. Donnelly's grandmother lived in America. And so one time, at some point in their relationship, Uh, Donnelly's grandmother sent money to Holland for Greta to move over to America and be with her. Well, Greta just jumped at the opportunity. In fact, she booked a place on a cargo ship. She didn't even want to wait. It would have taken just six weeks 
for her to be able to go in a better craft and have an upper deck room. But instead, she booked this uh, place, the cabin that she booked was just a compartment in the lower levels of the ship. And there was the area, actually, where they would store the cargo. And that's where Greta's place was on the ship. And as they traveled the two weeks from Holland to America on this ship, there was a, a crew member that kind of felt sorry for those that were down in the bowels of the ship. And so Daly would go down during that two-week period, each day go down and invite those people who were below deck to come on to the upper decks and enjoy the sunshine at least. Greta refused all invitations. She didn't go up on deck at all during the trip, not until they had actually docked in New York City. And when she went up, she saw people who had had rooms right next to her, and there they were enjoying a feast. They were enjoying laughter and fellowship and sunshine. They were enjoying the best of life. And Donnelly describes that sometimes that's us. We choose not to participate fully, not to participate and experience the best of life. John Wesley kind of pared that down for us, gave us these three simple rules that you've been hearing about these past three Sundays. The three simple rules that would help us experience the best of life. Do no harm. Do good. Love God. And today we're going to talk about loving God. Now, falling in love is not so difficult. It's sustaining love that might be a bit more difficult. Let me just share a story with you. This is about a couple. This couple had been married. They fell in love. They married. They had children. They celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary with a renewal of vows. Only to discover within the few weeks that followed that, that life was not so rosy that there had been indiscretions, and they discovered in going to counseling, they decided that what they had was worth trying to save. So they went to counseling, and there in counseling they discovered they had never been best friends. They had been lovers, they had been parents, they had been competitors. Both of them had been uh, competitive athletes. And they brought that competitiveness into their marriage. But they'd never been best friends. They decided through counseling and through working together through some material that had been given to them to help them get the tools that they needed to stay in love they decided that they really could 
rely on one another for absolutely everything. They could be best friends. And it was in those years that followed that they had the best of life together. And you see, that's what we as Christians deal with. Falling in love with Jesus Christ, I mean, receiving that forgiveness, receiving that joy that you get from knowing Jesus Christ, that initial impact of saying yes to Christ is wonderful. But it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily sustain itself. You see, we have to work on sustaining our love for Jesus Christ. To live into that and to continue to experience the very best of life. Because you see, life happens. There's trials. We fall into temptations. We undergo peer pressure, and that exists regardless of stage of life. There's always peer pressure. There's always a friend that's saying, really, you want to do that? You want to believe that? You want to spend your time where? Peer pressure. There's always those things in life, sometimes it's health issues, what we want to do and what we used to do or not what we can do now. Loved ones are taken from us. It feels like they're robbed away from us earlier, more frequently, more readily than we want to give them up. So how do you sustain a love for Jesus Christ in the midst of trials, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of life? That can be hard. And that's what John Wesley gave us these tools for. To be able to do no harm, to do good, to love God, to experience the best of life, to become above deck instead of staying in the hull of the boat. Both ways get you to your destination. Both ways will carry you through life. But one way you're going to experience the very best of life. Our scripture that Paul gave us to Colossians. The Colossians were struggling, and this letter is always, I'm intrigued by Paul's letters, because they're kind of like listening to one side of a telephone conversation. You get Paul's side of it, but they're in response, and what was happening in the church of Colossae at the time that he wrote this letter, one of the things that was happening, were there were false teachers And they were telling the people of the church, Jesus Christ is not enough. You have to follow these rules that we set out. 
And if you don't follow these rules and depend on Christ too, well, you're just not Christian. And Paul's saying, wait a minute. All you have to do is accept the gift that Christ gives you and stay in love with Christ. And how do you do that? These two little verses are packed with how to do that. And actually, Paul gives it to you in a set of threes, just as John Wesley does. But this set of threes tells us how we continue to sustain our love of Christ. And the first is to stay rooted and built up in Christ. Roots are an interesting thing, especially the roots of trees. They've always fascinated me. Do you know that an average tree will send down its core root about 20 feet Look up and look down at the floor. That's about 20 feet. That's pretty far. And it doesn't happen. You don't plant a seed and boom, have a root that's 20 feet deep. It grows. It's a process. It continues to grow. The deepest root, by the way, is 400 feet deep. It's a wild fig tree in South Africa. 400 feet deep. That has grown a long time. And what spurs on the growth of a root? It goes toward what feeds it. It grows down to be able to support what is above the ground but it grows down toward what feeds it. And so when Paul is saying stay rooted in Christ, he's saying grow into what feeds you, which is Christ. The love that Christ offers to you. Grow into that. It's not going to happen overnight. It happens little by little. By little. Also says, be established in faith. In other words, strengthened in your faith. If you think about a tree, that would be the trunk of the tree. The trunk of the tree depends on the root underground. The deeper the root the larger the trunk will grow. So you see, what we are rooted in affects how we grow where others can see us. The root is important. But the trunk of the tree has to be strong, not only to support itself, but it experiences all kinds of weather and hardship. Everything that is going to happen to the tree happens to the trunk. 
And so it has to be strong in order to weather all that comes at it in life. Just as we have to be strong in our faith, established in our faith, in order to weather all that comes at us. And the way that we are strong, the way that we can endure is how deep we've planted our roots. And then Paul says, overflow with thanksgiving. Now that sounds kind of like a thrill. You know, just a thrill like, well, after we've experienced all this good stuff, we'll say, thank you, God. But actually, it's as important as everything else. You see, if you look at the tree, it is the leaves on the tree. It's the plumage on the tree. Yeah, that might look like a frill. But it's vital to the health of the tree. If the tree never has leaves on it again, they don't right now. The deciduous trees don't. But if those trees never returned... The health of that tree is compromised and, in fact, will die. Paul knows that. He's saying that if we don't live a life of gratitude, if we don't have that as a part of our staying in love with our God, if we can't say thank you on a regular basis, we are endangering our own spiritual health. In order to stay in love with God, we have to be rooted in Christ. We have to be strong in our faith. And we have to be grateful to our God. And Paul also begins all of this by saying, Receive Christ Jesus as Lord. Now, You know, we can put a whole lot of names and titles on Jesus and we can add and add and add. When they're named like this, when Christ is named Christ Jesus Lord, there's a reason for that. It's not just being redundant. It's not just to fill up the page. It's because each one of those has special meaning. Christ meaning the Messiah. The one who came. The divine part of God in our midst. Emmanuel. Christ. The promised one. Jesus the human one. That was his human name. He is the one that made the sacrifice for us. Jesus literally means in Greek, Savior. God saves. Jesus was the one that sacrificed himself for us, for our salvation. And Lord is probably the toughest one for us to swallow altogether. When I ask confirmation classes, 
in a private conversation after the class is over, before confirmation service, and they are confirmed, I will ask them, do you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And we talk about what that means throughout confirmation before that question is asked. But Lord has to do with the fact that God is our creator. Basically, God owns us. (laughs) We belong to our God. And our independent selves want to say, no way. I want to do things my way. I'm, I'm my own person. This is it. And God says, I am your creator. I know what is best for you. Trust me. And that's where we mostly get hung up, is trusting our God to know what is best for us, to trusting and allow God to be Lord of our lives. That's a tall order. But we do that. We can do that. In order to experience the best life of all, We need to do that. And it says, live our lives. Receive Jesus, Christ Jesus as Lord, and live your life. Other translations say, walk with God. I like that translation better because Living life doesn't quite paint the same picture. It doesn't, it's not as immediate as sprinting. It's not flying with God. It's not a race or galloping or skipping or any, it's the slow, deliberate, steady, step by step, daily growing with God. Just like a root. Little by little, staying in one direction and moving with God. That's how we're to live our lives. That's how we stay in love with God. It's not all at once. We grow into that, little by little by little. And that's what we experienced here this morning with the baptism. That was the promise that Stacy and Dan made on uh, Emily's behalf, that they would raise her to know that God loves her and that they would raise her so that she would continue to grow in her love of God. That's what her sponsors, Chris and Sarah, promised as well, to be living role models of that for Emily and others. And folks, that's what you promised. You promised to participate in doing that along with the parents and the sponsors. You promised to be living examples of receiving God's love and living that day by day by day beside her so that she could always and others Be reminded that God loves them 
but that they too can stay in love with God and live the best life they can live because of the love. I want to invite you and challenge you to do something this week. If you put it off longer than that, it'll never happen. So I'd love for you to just to sit down, take a few moments and do this. You're going to write yourself a letter. The reason this became significant was at my father's funeral in preparing for that. We found love letters that we ourselves, my son and I, and others had written to my father. I want you to write a love letter for yourself. First, I want you to write what you love about yourself. Short, long, whatever that takes. What you love about yourself. And then I want you to recall when the first time that you knew about Jesus Christ. And if you can remember a feeling that you associated with that first acquaintance of Jesus Christ. And recall what receiving the love of God did in your life, what that meant to you. And then probably the most challenging is where do you want to be in one year in your relationship in loving God? Where do you want to be in one year? I invite you to write it, to put it in an envelope, to seal it, to put your name on the front and to put a year from that day on the front of that envelope and then place it somewhere where you won't quite lose track of it altogether. I might suggest a Bible. Hopefully that's something that you pull out periodically. Or use it as a bookmark in whatever you do read. But place it somewhere. My refrigerator is a great place for me to eventually find things again. And a year from now, read about what you love about yourself, how you experience the love of God in your life, and where you hope to be in that relationship of love with God a year ago. You'll be surprised. Hopefully you will be as delighted as God is with you.